This podcast contains conversations about trauma, addiction, death, and other challenging subjects, and may be sensitive for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. If you need resources to get help, please see the show notes. You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. I'm Kath Brew from Drawn to a Story. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences for positive change with a particular interest in identity, belonging and expat life. This podcast is about lives that challenge us and the difficult conversations around them. And it's a place where I want us to be able to listen openly, to absorb people's truths and to learn how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone. And that's you included. Today's guest is Sarah Black. Now I've known Sarah for a few years, but we've actually only met in person, I think twice. <laughs> Sarah is someone who spent more than 20 years working in PR and comms in Ireland before moving first to Norway, then Texas in the States. And now she's in the Lake District in the UK. She started her own consultancy called Aru Communications two years ago, where she works with clients that want to drive positive change. Sarah is married to Russell and has two former shelter dogs who joined the family. And this is the bit that I really love about Sarah, that she's passionate about volunteering, inclusion and finding the perfect gin and tonic, (laughs) but not always in that order. Sarah is also childless. She mm-hmm. and her husband do not have children. No children. Mm-hmm. So what went through your head when I said that Sarah does not have children? Nothing. If that's the case, then fabulous. But you're in the minority. Maybe your head started its own conversation. Uh, like, why doesn't she? Maybe she doesn't like them. Maybe she's a workaholic or maybe she's maybe she's even selfish. Maybe, 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 maybe it's none of your business. But none of this matters if these are just your thoughts and they stay in your head, right? So why does it matter? It matters because other people make it matter. It matters because other people judge women for not having children. And this is exactly why I've invited Sarah to talk with me today to share her experiences. So welcome, Sarah, and thank you for joining me. Hello, Kat. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Thank you very much. How are you? Thank you. It's good, good to be here. Good, good. And thank you for talking about a subject which for many people, and potentially yourself included, because we're going to be learning more about your story, but is a particularly difficult subject and can be quite painful for some people to, to talk mm. about and even to hear other people talking about because of their own their own pain. Yeah, it is. I was really glad that you asked me to do it because it's something that I don't mind talking about but I know for a lot of other people it's very fraught and very delicate and very difficult and Mm. so it felt like a good opportunity to have a chat with you and hopefully help people see that sometimes what seems like them to be perfectly natural question or perfectly natural assumptions can actually um, be quite damaging Mm. unintentionally to other people Mm. so Mm. um, thank you for that opportunity no my my pleasure I mean I guess the thing is with these kind of conversations and what I want to bring out in this podcast is talking about the layers in between that we don't see and mm. we never know where someone else's pain point is 
and we talk based on where ours are without actually often understanding where someone else's else's might be. Mm-hmm. The first question I wanted to ask you was when we're all growing up, we all have ideas about how our lives will turn out as adults. And, and the, there's that social idea of marriage and 2.4 children is still quite strong. And it, there's varying degrees depending on what culture you're, you're from or what religion you belong to. Can you tell me a little more about how you imagined your adult life to look? Um, you know, in some ways, I don't know that I ever did. I think one of the, the many great gifts of my upbringing was that I didn't have a lot of social pressure mm-hmm. about, you know, what I should do or what I should be. I mean, as I get older and older, I appreciate my parents more, but I think they genuinely were very happy with whatever choices we made as long as we were not doing anything illegal, immoral, over dangerous. <laughs> well, we won't um, talk about those today. <laughs> no, not today. Um, that's the gentle part. But I think generally as long as they were happy. And so I don't think I ever felt the social pressure that I know a lot of other people do, that a lot of other people are asked, you know, from the minute they get married, well, first of all, why are you not married yet? Mm-hmm. You know, when are you getting married? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, when are you having babies? Mm. Um, when are you going to give me a grandchild? I didn't really have any of that. And I think that was enormously liberating. Mm. And so, I mean, I think I said for a couple of years after Russell and I got married that I was still a bit surprised that I was married. I mean, not, <laughs> not to him. Um, you know, he, was, he was never a doubt. But I don't know that I ever had that sort of, um, you know, fairy tale mm. kind of that some people do. They have that kind of fairy tale wedding or whatever it mm. is much more conventional Mm. and if that's what you like then you do you that's awesome Mm. Um, but I I didn't have that and so in a sense I don't think I grew up with that sort of pressure which is Mm. an absolute gift because I know I've talked to so many women and quite a few men who did really grow up with that and had a lot of family saying to them kind of like from weekend of the honeymoon like Mm. when you have grandchildren babies many children do you want mm. those sorts of things mm. and mm. my immediate family might have been thinking it mm. but they were too polite to ask I think within our wider social circle there were those things but I I don't think I ever had that drive I don't ever think mm. I looked forward and thought my life will not be complete if I don't get married my yeah. life will not be complete if I don't have children yeah and, I don't and think I ever thought in those terms. No. Do you think from your experiences and the women that you've spoken to that, that there is a difference between men and women in how they feel about that, whether the, mm. the pressure or not having the pressure? And is that something that because women are so often judged differently to men? And if you mm-hmm. do have children, you might be judged for having one child then you judge for having too many and then you're having for too many years between the siblings or having the air quotes wrong kind of children like there's there's judgment all round do you do you yeah. think Russell felt the same as you like was it the similar kind of thing I think he probably um well I think I'm being honest he probably got asked more about it than I did after we got married and I maybe I don't know that he felt pressure exactly but there's certainly deep discomfort in you know like being asked why your wife hasn't produced offspring yet Mm. I mean who thinks that's a fun conversation to have (laughs) I think probably there is discomfort for both parties Mm. I think maybe somehow it's worse for women and I I don't like to say that because I don't want to minimize the experience of 
you know, infertility happens to men as well, mm. not just biologically, but if you're a, a couple who want to have children, then that's an experience mm. and a grief for both husband and wife yeah, or definitely. partners or whatever, yeah. or husbands and husbands equally. Mm. You know, it's a grief that's felt by both parties. Mm. Um, I think there is a pressure because it's biologically somehow seen to be a woman's job. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do mm. think there's a perception in the same way that there's a perception that, you know, lesbian couples don't have kids. There's some assumptions made that if you're in a straight committed relationship, you should be having children and that yeah. that is a woman's job. I think I've said to you before, I my question as being in a same-sex couple is, oh, did you ever want children? As though there's an assumption that I'm just not going yeah. to. This is the whole thing, isn't it, with identity, that people place what they think is in their box, their idea of you on you rather yeah. than actually asking. Yeah, and now that... Now that I'm old and postmenopausal, I probably will get asked that question more like, did you never think of that? Or did you mm. never want to have them? Or, you know, mm. and that's going to be a different conversation mm. um, to have. I think also, I mean, I do feel for men in this situation because I think sometimes it's even harder for them to talk about because they mm. feel, you know, if I talk about some of the things that happened to me medically, then that's me talking about my body and my experience. You know, men are not very good generally about talking about that stuff mm. I mean society's not good about talking mm. about that sort of stuff mm. but I think it must be difficult to talk about your partner's body yeah um, and their experiences because that's deeply personal mm. and then for you to have to tell that story I think is uncomfortable yeah, um, yeah. when it's not really anybody's business anyway no. no exactly and so it's messy for everybody I was reading something yesterday I think it was in the City Morning Herald about couples the value judgment that's placed on the reasons why you don't have children so mm. that if there were couples who chosen a conscious decision to not have children that was seen as a selfish thing and then people who hadn't been able to have them for medical reasons or just had met too late in life and were past their kind of reproductive mm. years um then it was like that was okay because it wasn't a conscious choice it's like the conscious choice is this yeah demonized thing why would you not want to have children there's that underlying value all the time and I think it's yeah. I'd be interested to know in terms of the people that have asked you or your husband were they predominantly men or predominantly women or was there a mix is there a gender thing happening about how women feel about themselves about how society feels about women or I think actually it's a generational thing well let me break that down a little bit because I did not conduct a sense of research with my husband about who's asked him <laughs> um before this no but um seriously I suppose I'm trying to think of the occasions where I've been asked mm. and I can sort of break them down into a couple of categories one has been extended family mm -hmm. and I think that's a generational thing as well as a gender thing it may also be an Irish cultural thing mm. because all of those factors are in there. Mm. And that's mostly being older members of the family that want mm. grandchildren, nieces, stroke, nephews, stroke, whatever. Mm. But it has been predominantly female. And that's um, partly because men from Ireland don't like to talk about that sort of thing. <laughs> um, I can't imagine any of the men of my extended family would ever have asked that question. Mm. My other experience has been much more as I became an expat later in life. So I didn't mm. move overseas till I was 40. Mm, mm. Um, which for a lot of people is kind of past the, the mm, point mm. but that was the first time that I was consistently asked as part of that getting to know you expat coffee mm. conversation mm, where mm. I felt like it was the question I was asked all the time mm. and it was all women 
Mm. Possibly the time it was mostly because I was meeting women mm. because that was the nature of expat life in the situation that we were in was that the men would have been at work. And so I was maybe meeting them once I've known their wife for three months. So they're yeah. partner for three months. Mm. Um, and by that point, they probably knew, you know, that oh, Sarah and Russell don't have kids. So I w- I've been asked that a lot more consistently. Mm. And that was the first time that being asked that question made me feel less than. Mm. Mm. So you um, were aware that there was a judgment coming in the question? Um, yeah, and I don't even know that the people who were asking the question were making a judgment about my choices mm. and you know it wasn't completely our choice mm. um mm. not to have kids mm. but I think it was more you know it's like that kind of it's like the Harry Potter sorting hat right mm. you know you're one of my people you're not one of my people yeah, yeah um yeah you, you are no good for play dates with my children right? okay mm. my kids are not going to make friends with your kids okay next yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, next. It's like um, a, a sorting filing system at the post office almost. It's not even a conscious yeah, thought. It's, mm. it's not even conscious. And a couple of years ago, I wrote about this and I, I had an experience. Um, we'd moved to Norway. That was a big, big, huge cultural change. Mm. I stopped working, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and so first time moving into that lifestyle, big, big change. Mm. And I went to one of the first expat coffees, um, as, as you do. If you're listening to this and you're an expat, you'll all be familiar. <laughs> you'll all know, yeah. Okay, you'll all know, right? And and I was, as I think a lot of people are in their first move, very apprehensive because you've no idea what you've gotten yourself into. Mm. And I remember somebody at that asking me, did I have kids? And I think it was the first time in years that anybody would asked. And I didn't even think before I said no. Mm. And she literally just turned on her heel and walked away. <gasps> wow. And, and I just oh. remember like shock mm. and and I felt like I got asked that question every time I met somebody. Like mm. I felt like somebody handed out a sheet of paper where, yeah. you know, these are the questions you ask when you meet new mm. people. And maybe I've asked that question of other people. Is it getting mm. to know you? I probably mm. have. But um, there's, um, I imagine there's a, a sense of, firstly, like, what did I do wrong? Like, because yeah. any other type of question, if someone just walked away, you'd think you'd been offensive to them. Like that's the implied. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. But you're on the receiving end and it's the other way around and they haven't even realised. I mean, that's that's incredibly yeah. powerful I think for listeners is like how often do you make other people uncomfortable by your need I think the other thing that whole experience and I, I mean I made some incredibly great friends in, mm. in Norway some of whom had children some of whom did not mm. but it felt like something I was asked a lot mm. and that was actually a really difficult period for us mm. because it was the first time not that we confronted and I don't like to say it was a choice because um, I have all kinds of underlying medical issues that would have made conception naturally very difficult. Mm. The choice that we probably did make was not to embrace something like IVF. And yeah. that's a very deeply personal choice. Yeah. If, if you're listening to this and you have done IVF, I think that's wonderful. Mm. And But it just wasn't the right thing for us at mm. that time in our lives. And other things happened. Mm. Um, but it's, I mean, sometimes it is that we just don't want them. Yeah. Okay? great that's fine that's lovely mm. but I think it's such a complicated nuanced yeah, definitely. story it's not it's not straightforward mm. but it was the first time that we felt or maybe I felt that's not fair to say that Russell did that I felt that I was excluded mm. because and and not because anybody was being mean 
No. It was just because they were all going, all our kids were at the same school. They were all yeah. school gates, kind of. You have and to so work. it was kind yeah. of a benign exclusion. It was not that anybody was ever anything other than lovely to me. No, it's just time. circumstance, isn't it? It was you, just you were a little bit outside some yeah. things. You, if so much yeah. of that networking when you come into a new country is is done at the school gate or yeah, the kind of school events. And, and I, so I imagine for you, you have to work much harder to make those kind of connections. Yeah, you do. And I think we were very, very lucky. And anybody from Norway with me is listening to this, you were all wonderful. <laughs> I was very lucky in that I think we had friends who were empty nesters mm. who didn't have kids with them. That was awesome. We had friends who had much older kids. And also I made some great friends who were younger than us who mm. were not at a stage in their life where you were thinking about children yeah but you were probably living and presenting a different option that they might even con- they might consider and think oh there's a- <laughs> look at well, this is I the think, other way of doing it like mm. I think it was more just to do the availability mm. and also they weren't asking the question about do you have kids they were much more interested in could you go for a hike on Thursday then you do know that there are things that you go through experiences that kind of equalize and we find our groove and all the rest mm. of it but there was a period at the beginning before I made really good friends mm. I made really really great friends in Norway mm. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was a period before that when we were still trying to find our people Mm. where it was a bit bruising and a bit challenging and And also also people make some assumptions about you yeah Um, Yeah. I think the thing that I've learned and I'm on the other side of that I wanted to share today is that at that the the time that was happening it was bruising and it was difficult Mm. but now I'm like well you just messed the best babysitter in town. Well, yeah. The person you want as your emergency contact is the person who does not have kids with them. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you about. So if I'm the parent of um, three children and I'm looking for new friends for my kids, oh, yeah, you if I'm me. only focusing on other parents for friendships, what am I missing out on? You've hinted at this before and I wanted you to break it down a bit more. I think one of the, the assumptions that people make when you say they don't have children is that you might not like them. I will be honest, and I've always said this, I don't like all small people because they're just small versions of big people and I don't like all adults either. But mostly I do like kids. My sister-in-law has five, so it's just well that I do like them. Yeah. I mean, generally, I, I enjoy young people, I enjoy children, I enjoy spending time with them my best friend has three boys who I have been left in sole custody of on a couple of occasions and I have given her the same number back as she left with me (laughs) that's that's a famous story she's like how did it go and I said well they're all still here um but she's left them with me for three or four days at a time I've actually flown in to to stay so that she and her husband could have time away and it's Um, also nice for you to be able to have those relationships with children and even if you don't have your own you can still be A, an I adult mean, that's kind of guiding kids and helping kids and and, and you get to be the cool aunt which is like the best job in the world like <laughs> all of the fun yeah and I would like to say none of the discipline but actually two of our, our closest closest friends our time in Texas had two teenagers we went on holiday with them mm. and I think there's an assumption that you're like well, we went on holiday with them and their kids was that a little bit weird for you mm. but actually it wasn't it was just like a yeah. family Close holiday friends. When their eldest graduated high school, we went to graduation with his mom and dad and his brother mm. because they were like, well, you're the family that we have here. Mm. If you're kind of automatically going, well, we probably don't have much in common. And equally, it's sometimes it's the mums going, you won't want to hang out with me because, you know, I've got kids and I'm tied to that. It kind of yeah. works both ways. Interesting. You know, I'm okay with that. That doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. assumptions both ways. Like, you wouldn't want to come and spend time with me because I've got these four children. That's fascinating to me that women are, yeah. they're judged for this is the role you're meant to fulfill and then when yeah. you fulfilled it you're still not worthy because 
you're not this woman on her own doing her own thing. There's this social stuff put on, but it's also therefore then what comes up out of us because we're, we live in the context of all of this stuff. It's tricky to navigate, but I do think if you've just kind the woman with no children, then I've always said that I am your best possible emergency contact because if something happens... I will only be worried about your children. I will have none of my own to worry about. Yeah. Um, and actually that's, that... that's really wise. I, I would just reiterate that to people who are listening. If, if you find that you've fallen into that trap of I'm only going to be friends with other people who've got children for my kids, yeah. And then, I, yeah, what are you missing out on? I don't think things? anybody ever does it intentionally. Mm. I, I think very few people do it intentionally or even actually think more just consciously that I'm looking for. I don't think yeah. people do it consciously. I think that it's just sort of convenience, ease. Mm, yeah. I, I don't know. I also think it's familiarity with yeah. the expat process. So if you're a seasoned expat, you know, once you've left a country, when you arrive, there's like these tick things that you've got to do is like get the kids into school get a place yeah. get like find your local coffee shops or food shops it's yeah. all that and my one of those things is like friends for the kids and so it's not coming from a bad place necessarily it's no, just a focus of, of their needs and in the process they don't see what that impacts or how that impacts someone else potentially yeah and so it's totally unintentional it's not anybody trying to exclude or trying to other but it just does make it a bit more complicated sometimes mm, to build a social mm, life. Yeah. Not always. When you meet the right people, it doesn't matter. Mm. But definitely it, it can, when you're in that new zone of trying newcomer thing, Yeah. it can make it a, a little bit more difficult. And also because sometimes there's that awkward pause when people say, oh, do you have kids? And you say no. Mm. And <laughs> people can look at their feet or look at the wall or go, oh, okay. And yeah. I mean, people I've ended up being friends with have gone, oh, great, right, okay. And yeah. I've got three or oh that's grand or mm. just like moving on or just, like just kind of like not missing a beat just yeah. like okay that's good information I've gained in the same way as oh you don't drink coffee yeah, yeah. I actually yeah. quite get a strong reaction to that too but um, <laughs> you know yeah. it's that's yeah. a different thing but it's the people who kind of go oh um oh how to respond or, or, or become awkward about it yeah I'm familiar that from I think I've said to you before we've been gay that there's that yeah. when someone assumes you've got a male partner there's a or you tell them that you're gay there's that split second you, it's almost not long enough to even put a second on it where they'd stare into mid space and you know they're uncomfortable and they come back desperately trying to show that there's no issue there's that awkwardness and I think there's a lot of power in that space because actually although it's not our responsibility to make them feel better it can also be a moment of you just lead the way you just set the tone and you move you yeah. move on with it but as we've also talked before you can do this because you said to me once that when people uh talk to you about it or um ask that it irritates you more than it upsets you yeah but I imagine you've also done a lot of work to get to that point and if you're that person that your whole life has been destined where you've wanted to have children and then yeah. you can't then it I worries it, me that the damage that can be done to people in that space yeah segment. yeah and I've been thinking about a friend of mine who lost a baby recently mm. who I know was asked this question a lot mm. and was under I think felt a bit of pressure Mm. when they got married it it doesn't deeply upset me anymore I mean mm. I'm 51 mm. and I'm you know I'm, I've, I've made my peace with a lot of mm. the choices that we made and where we are and what's happened in our lives and that took work mm. but I mean I could and partly because I didn't have that sense that my life would be over um, mm. if I didn't have kids I didn't mm. have that um kind of deep seated 
whatever that is yeah uh, thing that some people do mm. and equally I have never lost a pregnancy had a miscarriage mm. or lost a, ch- a child mm. but there are people who have yeah and I cannot begin to imagine how difficult those questions are for no them. no exactly um, or how triggering there's so many things because there's a grief there mm. and real pain and and just you know I've I mean I've known so many people in that situation it's heartbreaking and to then have that be the question everybody asks yeah exactly it's really really difficult mm. and I think I think a that what they're experiencing is difficult what they have experienced it's, it's very difficult for them emotionally mm. and secondly there's also this pressure I mean I promised I wouldn't swear but I can't imagine what it is they would want to say to people who ask that question when they're yeah. in their worst moments of pain there's also that social pressure to make the person asking you that question feel comfortable so that you don't say no yeah. actually I you know I've had six miscarriages or no mm. actually I really desperately wanted children and I can't or yeah um, yes actually, no we don't but I'm doing IVF right now yeah. or yeah no, no we don't my baby took you know four breaths and passed. yeah yeah you know, and those are still things that in some ways are quite taboo in our society yeah you sort of speak about it in hushed tones mm. or they are heartbreaking and I think it's good when people talk about it I'm thinking about infertility and miscarriages mm. particularly mm. that still that can be quite taboo for people yeah it, it could be enough to stop someone going to an expat coffee morning mm. because they know that's where they need to be but they know too that these are the questions and it they can't face that they can't because it's so painful for them I would hate Um, to think that there's women out and men but particularly women with these mornings that there's women out there who aren't getting the support they need through a network of expats because they're fearful of how they might get treated or how the question might be too painful for them even though it's not painful for someone else yeah I think and um I'm going to give a shout out to Kate Von Nogblock at Share the Love blog, who mm-hmm. I think has a blog about talking about infertility in the expat world, because Kate raised this issue mm-hmm. and had talked about it a bit. And I think was one of the few people I have known to talk about it um, mm-hmm. in the expat world. Mm-hmm. You know, that infertility is complicated if you move every three years. Mm-hmm. You know, what Incredibly. do you do about interventions, mm-hmm. treatments? I mean, mm-hmm. I find that hard enough. I, yeah. I was having some um, drug therapy when we moved to Norway. Um, mm. to manage some symptoms mm. and and had to go and find a private clinic and bring my drugs from Belfast to mm. have my monthly shots yeah um, that was complicated enough and different countries will have different approaches to infertility you know it means possibly things like fostering and adoption are more complicated not mm. impossible mm. but maybe more mm. complicated and so there's lots of nuances which I am not an expert on mm. that are complicated and mm. there's also you know if if you write an expat blog or an expat podcast about expat life it's you know we're not all parents yeah and we're not all raising tck's and yeah. sometimes you can look out at the great swathe of content and kind mm. of go oh right yeah. i feel a little bit outside this sometimes yeah i don't fit that not always mm. um mm. but that can sometimes happen as well mm. and i think you know there's been a lockdown it's been a while since i met new people folks um, <laughs> but i did meet someone recently i sort of intuited that she didn't have children from other information that she told me mm, mm. you know because things she might have said oh i've left the kids at home with my husband or yeah you usually get you know, clues, you just you? Kind of, yeah. you read between the lines yeah I, I don't think i ask that question i'm much more likely to say do you have dogs <laughs> um or you know do you like would you like some more chocolate cake yeah or yeah. Uh, mine's, mine's a gin um yeah. <laughs> but i think there's lots of things that determine 
when you're doing that new meeting new people figuring them out sort of stuff equally I have a lot of respect for the people in my life who've just gone oh no kid okay Mm. uh next like you know um uh, do you come here often um (laughs) and not skip to beat and the people in my life who've just gone all right you don't that's fine Mm. without going well why don't you yeah or wanting to kind of like probe that or or investigate it or or equally go um I told you the story I think we were chatting for um doing a study group in oh yes yeah a a lovely lovely group from um, Bangladesh it's a very different culture it was all around a children's project ironically (laughs) and a couple of days in one of the lovely lovely ladies said to me Sarah you have not spoken of your own children do you not have children and I said no we don't and it's okay which is quite often what I say actually Mm. um just like get this uncomfortable thing out of the way that's quite Um, a good way of setting the tone isn't it nobody needs to be upset Mm. um and I just remember putting her hand on me and saying yeah I'll I'll pray <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. it was really actually, it was incredibly kind. And I think yeah. if other people have done that, I might have found it annoying. You know, yes, it's okay, but I, you know, I will think of you anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's lovely. And it was very empathetic and it was very kind. Yeah. And it was like, well, why not? Did you never want them? Yeah. And I've been asked all those things. Yeah. And if you're far enough into a relationship and a friendship with somebody, then that's okay. Mm. You kind of judge that you know, you have to make a judgment about that. And I've got mm. some really good friends who have asked me that. We've had really great conversations about it and that's okay. Mm. But, you know, we've been friends for a really long time yeah. at that point, you know. But this is the um, thing. If, if you look at the kind of expat world where relationships develop much faster or mm-hmm. you can be in a country and one of the first things you do is find your kind of safe people the person on a form that you can suddenly send your family to or your kids to or whatever yeah. if there's an emergency. So how do you find that balance then of of we don't go in too fast with a personal question as opposed to expat circles where you bond and you click very differently very quickly how would you visualize being in a room coming in and talking about these things and where do you find the balances to get it right I guess those both parties um feel good about the conversation for me people do ask the children question it's me saying it we know we don't and it's okay Mm. and that usually clears the air a little bit on that and kind of takes the pressure off everybody to either apologize for feeling they put their foot in it and, mm. and ask a difficult question mm. and moving the conversation on to something else. I think I think it's also about embracing people that are different from you. Mm. I think it's fundamentally what it's about. When I think back on meeting people in our various experiences that, you know, you'd said to me that I would end up with great friends who were, you know, 15 years older than me Mm. I I think I might have been surprised but I think you just have to be open to people in the same way as you're people from different cultural backgrounds Mm. and different life experiences or at least I hope you are Mm. Um, then you also have people whose families don't look like you yeah and and to challenge whatever assumptions you might make of them so I've had the kind of it was all about your career I've had that it's a work thing it's very softly but those things have all come up Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's also about if I'm interested in spending investing time energy in a relationship with someone it actually doesn't matter whether they're a parent or not yeah Um, unless they're a really horrible parent it's it's more about shared values and shared Mm. interests sometimes Mm. my Mm. best friends in Norway I met nearly all of them through hiking yeah we had an infamous expat hiking group 
and there was a love chat. There was mm. some walking too. Um, <laughs> and that kind of was a shared interest that cut across whatever our life experiences, cultural experiences, mm. and whatever our families looked like, whatever our circumstances were. Mm. I think it's also about um, finding things to talk about that are not fact-checking. Yeah. So like open questions. How long have you been here? What brought you here? Yeah. Kind of how are like, you feeling about your move? How are you doing? You know, is it mm. have you been settling in okay? Do you know anybody else? Did you have people to talk to? You know, all the kind of important stuff, you know. Almost um, like well-being rather than who are you and where do you come from? Or what is your I, I'm gonna say husband in the sense that just because that is the question, but often is what does your yeah. half do? What does yeah. your husband do? How many kids you know, are, even are you, like, Mm. Did you come here with family? Are you here on your own? Because yeah. family can be a partner or 17 children, whatever you want. Mm. Yeah. Um, or you can be here as a part of a group, you know, yes. depending on what the circumstances are that you're in. Yeah. So thinking about that and thinking much more about well-being, personality, characteristics, all those mm. things. And you're more likely to make a friend because someone's going to feel that they're actually being cared for and inquired about. It's yeah. not a a factual yeah. conversation of telling someone it's actually asking someone how they are and showing an interest in them for their sake not through your filter does that make sense yeah that? you know I started going swimming at a local pool now that we're mm. out of lockdown and can do those things again I got there to send the doors for a lot and one of the regulars asked me so they're not usually open by now and I said yeah and he said I thought that was a Belfast accent <laughs> and so we had a whole conversation then yeah. And when I was leaving, he said, are you coming back tomorrow? And I said, not back till Friday. I must in. And that's how you begin to have, yeah. you know, the basis, um, mm. that's social contact. That's mm. that's the beginning of a relationship. Mm. Um, even if all I ever do is say hi to each other yeah. slowly, mm. um, that's still a relationship of a kind. Mm. 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 So I think it is about stepping back. And if you're asking that question, why does it matter to you? Yeah. Is it just because it's kind of an automatic thing, in which case maybe you want to, think differently about that and if you do find yourself I mean I think Naomi Hathaway's talked about this probably much more eloquently than me <laughs> but you know when you see somebody on their own like go and say hi mm. because whether that's an expat life or in any kind of social situation it doesn't matter what your personal circumstances are only in the mm. sense that you might need support and care and if you're asking someone very pointed questions like do you have children and why not then yeah. then you might not realize that in your questioning there's a value put on that and I think yeah. some of these things are if you are that person that asks that question then I would be wanting to say to them like you just said why do you need to know and yeah. and actually if in your head you feel like you need to know what thoughts are you creating that means that you think you need to know so does that mean that you a woman is only worthy when she becomes a mother it's a good space to explore where that's coming from within you yeah and is it just that you've never stopped to think about it in which case I think it's time you should frankly yeah, yeah. um because there's lots of questions that we ask that I did do that thing I did that faux pas oh, yeah. somebody, <laughs> you know who's your husband work for and she said well my wife and I thought okay, I just like I know better you wanted that you know ground like, to swallow you up oh because it can shoot me now um uh <laughs> And I just remember apologizing profusely and saying, you know, that's that's a good lesson. And thank you for being so lovely about it because I know better. I just, my brain wasn't clearly on that day. Mm. But we've all, I think a lot of us have made that mistake probably. Yeah. We're not going to yeah. admit it as publicly as me. Yeah. Um, oh, I do. I mean, I'm a gay woman and I, I've still made that mistake. And it's like, if anybody should know, it should be me. <laughs> like, I mean, but this is the thing. There's a social norm, I say in air quotes, that we think we're outside of, but we're all still part of it. And I think this is the... Yeah. 
one of the reasons I want to have these conversations, there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. That's fine. But no. if someone makes a mistake, then like apologize and, and move forward or like this, talk about it and actually yeah. share, like to start to not have it as a taboo. Yeah. And I think like the examples that I just gave, I mean, as soon as I'd said it and she responded, I knew it was like, I'd, I'd really screwed up. <laughs> the thing is when people ask you if you have children or not, you don't get that immediate response when you say no. Mm, okay. There's kind of an awkwardness. Yeah. And then there's an awkwardness if they apologize. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's an awkwardness if we don't just move on. Like how do you, know. you quickly change subject to make yeah. it better and, again? And I do if I like the person and they haven't asked it in a you know sort of a very inappropriate way, then I would usually say, you know, it's okay. Do you? Mm. And you know, what are their names and what age are they? That's but all. But that's good. still you doing the work, isn't it? Like yeah, it is to an extent. And I, if I kind of get a weird reaction, then I don't do that. But if yeah. it's someone that you know, maybe there's a conversation that's gone on for a couple of hours and we've kind of got mm. to know each other, then I've mellowed into it and decided I might like them. Mm. I do think that if it's kind of in your opening checklist of things that you ask. And I think it's an easy trap to fall into, particularly in the expat world, because a lot yeah. of the socializing is around school. Mm. And so I think you do get on a, an autopilot yeah. where you've just come from the school coffee morning. Mm. That's completely natural. Yeah. So yeah. then you step outside yeah. that bubble. And There's nothing wrong with that yeah. pattern because it is absolutely certain people's lives. But it's when you're always doing the school thing that because we're, we know that the connection comes from like you were saying with the swimming, just that repeated seeing each other, that even through no effort, you become friends because of just the circumstance of seeing each other all the time. So for someone like you, if you're not at the school gate, how do you get in and how do you breach or broach that subject? You definitely have to work a bit harder because the social nucleus is quite often around schools and around Mm, kids. mm, mm. You have to work a little bit harder to meet people. I remember a good friend kind of just basically brutally telling me that when I met mm. her in Norway as a brand new expat, she was a much yeah. more experienced expat. And she said, you know, I, I, I hate this, but this is going to be harder for you, this lifestyle, because yeah. so much of it for women mm. um, partners is around the, the parenting stuff and around yeah. schools. And so you have to be a bit more intentional perhaps. And for me, sometimes I had to be a bit thicker skinned. Yeah. Um, and there's a self-awareness that comes with that as well. But it's like anybody who's a little bit different. If the norm is heterosexual partnership, 2.4 children. Yeah. A husband works, wives at home. Yeah. You know, we need to find ways of being better at intentionally including the people who don't look like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also because I've never not worked or not been in education in my mm. 10 years as an expat mm. Mm. and sometimes people find that a bit like oh, what do you mean you work when I wasn't working in the very brief period where I might not have been working people say well you don't have children what do you do all day? nothing I just sit and drink gin do you have any books I have not yet read I think this no. is part of an interesting thing because it shows us where socially we put put our values all the time yeah. it's only through these things that you then have value or you have worth people say that they're bored and I, I don't get bored like there's so much to do and I don't have children and I'm still okay like yeah and I'm in a new country which is fascinating and amazing and I have to go and meet people and make friends and figure out how the library works I at Norway for two and a half years still don't know how to buy double cream without an app to translate (laughs) I mean there was lots of process so yeah there are value judgments about what do you do with your time and how do you entertain yourself and yeah um, I went back and got a degree that's what I did it's amazing opportunity on all different levels and actually by not having children, as you said, you're you're an amazing aunt and you're also the person that 
everyone should know because while yeah. there's an emergency, you're going to be interested in their children, not your own. Absolutely. It's, it's and also, I think you bring a different perspective and sometimes you have time for their kids in mm. a different sort of way. Yeah. Or a patience with them mm. that maybe somebody who's just spent, you know, 48 hours dealing with their own children in a very intense way doesn't have time to then, yeah. you know, yeah. hang out and talk to yours. Yeah. Or you're the confidant for a child who can't yeah. talk about something with their parents and you're but, a safe space for the child. Yeah, but before he became too cool to have an aunt, one of my best friend's kids used to get up very early and come come out and walk with me mm. in the mornings when I stayed with them and tell oh, me all lovely. kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but you do definitely have a special relationship. And I do think I'm really, really lucky. My best friend has three wonderful boys who I would take a bullet for in a heartbeat. Mm. She has never made me feel that I was not as much a part of their lives as yeah. you know her well actual family and yes she's never made me feel that I wasn't as qualified to look after her kids as anybody mm. else and I think that's a real gift because I think a lot of people who are childless don't necessarily have that experience no. that's also a testament to your friendship and that hmm. she sees you as a whole person not yeah you don't have this you don't have that it's also about making intentional choices because I'm mm. sure she wouldn't equally have judged me badly if I was not the person who you know sent mm. a gift and sent a note and knew all the boys birthdays yeah and I mostly get all my nieces and nephews birthdays right I don't have to be reminded very much <laughs> usually only when I move countries but you know we made a choice that we want to be present in their lives in whatever mm. way we could and that is mostly sending gifts yeah. making sure we remember birthdays and Christmases yeah. because when mm. you're not able to with them all the time Mm. that's important but that was an intentional choice for us to Mm. step in to be auntie sarah and uncle russell that's not that's not for everyone we made a a commitment and look forward to that commitment continuing into their adult lives that's our choice Mm. um in a sense but again there are people who just assume that you don't like kids or that you're not good with them and Mm. i don't really understand that if i think if you're interested in them then you are mostly good with them and actually by not having your own you bring something else to the relationship that they may not have experienced. There's a, even a different outlook on life by not having kids and yeah. having a different way of living that you can bring extra experiences and knowledge and lessons and all kinds of things into yeah. your child's life. It's, mm. it's so much fun to be the cool aunt. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the great pleasures of my life, actually. That is a lot of fun, actually. Mm. That's a great, great gift for us. And we've always enjoyed our friends' kids and their conversations with them. And yeah. Um, you know what they were up to and mm. we've always enjoyed that mm. um, and I think the people that we have enjoyed that most with are the people who if you go to dinner at their house and the table set for them and the kids and you're all in together mm. it's a very subtle thing but it's yeah. a very lovely thing it's very powerful of it's, yeah you know that you're really in them that you're yeah. part of the family part of the tribe yeah exactly um, and and also when you say in it's not children at one end adults at the other like it's all properly mixed and everyone has equal place so there's a value put on everybody and when the kids are hanging out when you're having dinner and it's not like we had to get a sitter and go out because Sarah and Russell can't hang out with our kids yeah exactly we're completely relaxed about that Mm. but we have had a couple of people who separated those things somehow Mm. is that because they want the night off without the kids do you think we're like their adult their their adult friends yeah that sounds silly but you know what I mean yeah Um, yeah like the people they go to the pub with and have fun with because we don't yeah. have any responsibilities and maybe they want to be like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, everybody wants to be like somebody they're not. Mm. People apologize because they have to bring their kids with them. We're like, why are you apologizing? Yeah. You know, your yeah. kids are great. That's probably a really good point to, to end on is that 
it, it goes both ways. I mean, you yeah. talked about the key points of not assuming or the, the point of you actually really enjoying the kids, them enjoying your company. And it comes down to let's not assume either way. Let's yes. actually just talk to each other and yeah. find out in the proper way, not just fact-checking questions, but actually yeah. having conversations about people's well-being and actually not assuming, but finding out in ways that actually are empowering and respectful for both people. I think um, taking the opportunity to in, enjoy and embrace people who are different in whatever mm. way that looks like or experiences and mm. um, taking the opportunity to get a little bit deeper so that you're not asking those checkbox questions or if you are, you're asking them a little bit more intentionally and with a little bit more thought. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I think that probably brings us to an end. Thank you, Sarah. That's, that's quite enough from me. <laughs> Before you go, how can people find you with social media if they wanted to get in touch um, with Aru Communications? Probably the best way is Instagram. I am Sarah with an H underscore Aru. It should be correctly pronounced, yep. uh, which is the <laughs> Irish word, the Irish word for change. And it's A-T-H-R-U. I'm also on Twitter there as well. So yes, Twitter and Instagram are probably the best places to find me if you want to have a chat. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sarah. It, it's been a really fascinating conversation. And I wanted to thank you for being so candid and trusting us with your story. You've gifted us with a lot of wisdom and I hope given people a lot to reflect upon. So Thank you. And I'm incredibly grateful for the chance to talk with you. Thank you for asking, Kat. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And before I go, remember Sarah's key points of it's not okay to ask, it's not okay to assume, and it's not her responsibility to make you feel better. And in doing that, it's about having deeper, more open conversations that aren't the fact checking and actually checking on someone's well-being rather than who they are what they do and where they live so I ask you what are you going to do with Sarah's story how are you going to show up differently what and what, what's this first thing you're going to do how are you going to actually make a change given what you've heard today I'm confident that today's conversation will have given you some insight into the hidden layers of someone else's life and like Sarah in sharing her story let's have courage let's use that courage and the new awareness that we've gained today to show up better for women and men who don't have children. Thanks for listening.